hello everybody welcome to commander at arms uh this is a podcast between myself paul and my friend james how's it going you may know us from the great library podcast where we play D with a few of our other friends uh me and james decided because we love magic so much and are so passionate about it that we would make our own little spinoff and talk exclusively about magic specifically about commander edh for, for everyone out there who is old enough to remember EDH. So a lot of the conversations we used to have around the table at D&D would always come back to Magic and our Friday night games. So instead of doing a, a half D&D, half Magic the Gathering kind of talk show, we decided to just break off and make our own. And we, as Paul said, we are Commander at Arms. Um, we're going to talk about everything Commander, everything you want to know about Commander, everything coming up in new sets that might need a, a little bit more explanation that happens in Commander, much like the topics we will be covering today. Um, so I just want to know, like, so how long have you been playing uh, Magic and specifically Commander for, Paul? So I've been playing Magic for about eight years now. Uh, it'll be nine in a little while. Uh, about six of those I've been playing Commander. So I started at the tail end of Innistrad block. And back yep. then I was playing exclusively limited. I did nothing but draft, sealed, you know, like pre-releases, etc. When RTR uh, returned to Ravnica, for anybody newer to the game out there, <coughs> and Theros rotated into Standard, um, I moved into Standard. And back then I played a Bant Tokens homebrew. Um, after that, I made some good friends within the community, and they all played Commander, so logically speaking, it was made sense to me for ju- just to play Commander. Um, luckily, it didn't stop there. It's been a great way for me to make friends in Florida. Since I am originally from New York, it was nice to already have like an easy way to meet people. Yeah, so, Matt definitely. Is, Matt- and, and I get that, especially coming from you know another country as well. Right. So magic is something I'm very passionate about in general. I like the rules interactions. I like all the different types of people that play, all the different types of decks that people bring. It's it's just a very interesting uh, and fun game. And I can't imagine anything else that I have more fun with. So having... Uh, there's, uh, there's obviously a lot of people talking about magic out there. But I think, in, at least for, from my perspective, having dabbled in both competitive and casual aspects of it um i think i have kind of a unique like blended perspective uh whereas most people probably just see it mostly as casual and mostly as competitive it's it's a it's it's quite easy for me to see it from from both angles yeah how about you james so i've been playing magic uh since 1997 with uh tempest block um that was my very first introduction to the game. Uh, I was very quite... I was still quite young. Um, I don't remember any, ever making anything decently good, uh, but it wasn't until about 2016 when I actually picked the game back up and got pushed into playing Standard, uh, mostly back when Battle of Zendikar came out, uh, which was just a terrible set to start in Standard. I wish I had started earlier and got a lot of the uh, the Khans packs and got all those, uh, those fetch lands. That would have been great. Um, but I didn't start playing Commander until uh, two thousand. Uh, sorry, twenty eighteen when I bought the. Uh, actually, went splitsies with my, my one of my mates back home with the um, 
Commander Anthology and I started a mono red uh, Doretti deck. And that was a lot of fun. Um, but it hasn't really been until I met you guys, like you, Paul, and, and all the, the rest of our playgroup that it's really kind of pushed this love for EDH, a commander, wanting to brew new decks and, and everything. Like I came to the, I came to the, to the, uh, the, the group with one really bad Sultai Muldrotha deck. And, you know, it was just, it was terrible. And now that I've got, you know, another six or seven decks with two more on the way. So, I mean, it's definitely excelled uh, my passion for the game and still learning a lot of the, the rules interactions and everything. So, I guess we'll just get into uh, this week's topic. Uh, and this week we're going to be talking about Ikoria. So, I know Ikoria has been not really out yet uh because of the the COVID-19 uh pandemic that's still happening uh it's going to be coming out on the 15th of May instead of the 24th of April like it was set to uh but a lot of the cards are still out and we're going to talk about some of the uh the stuff that you'll expect out of Ikoria or you know what you might have seen about Ikoria so if you want to elaborate on that one Paul yeah so by the way just to preface this, uh, I am not a judge. I just simply understand how a lot of things interact. Um, so, first thing I want to talk about is keywords, both new and returning. And this has probably been beaten into your head over and over again by now. But just in case this is your first experience with them, there are three keywords, as far as I know, in uh, Ikoria. I will discuss the returning one first. It is cycling. Cycling is a mechanic that we have seen previously. It was originally a very old mechanic, and it returned... I forgot what set exactly it returned in. Uh, Amonkhet. Amonkhet. There we go. Yeah, it came back with the uh, the Amonkhet lands. Uh, had a lot of right. cycling, and right. you had uh, uh, a lot of... Oh, well, there was a white card that has it on it as well, and I, I even own the card. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Forsake the Worldly. Uh, it's a exile target artifact or enchantment with two cycling. Right. Um, so, we have seen cycling before, even actually pretty recently, and we are seeing it again here. Cycling is an activated ability of a card in your hand where you pay the mana cost listed next to the cycling ability. You discard that card and draw a card. Um, just to detail some of the interactions for that for you, or how it works, you first pay the mana cost and discard the card that is part of the cost. That ability goes on the stack. Once the ability resolves, you draw a card. It does not all take place at the same time. You must wait for the ability to resolve, then you may draw your card. Your opponent may respond to the ability on the stack before you draw your card. Yeah, <clears throat> but it can't be counted with regular counters. It has to be counted with an, uh, an ability counter. like Right, uh, so since cycling isn't disallow ability, uh, an old card, not an old, well, older card from Kaladesh, uh, disallow would do it. Stifle, an even older card, would do it. Uh, more recently, in Theros, we got a card called Whirlwind Denial, which would also work for that. Whirlwind Denial is two in a blue, counter each uh, spell and ability your opponents control unless they pay uh, three or four, something like that. I believe it's four. Yeah, I think it's four. It's one of the newest... Like, okay, I'm not going to say one of the best counter spells because we will talk about one of the, the newest best counter spells that have just been printed. But, I mean... 
it goes up there with um, Flusterstorm. Right, and worth noting that it is an uncommon, so it's relatively cheap also. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that aside, uh, now that we've talked about cycling, we're going to talk about two new mechanics. So f- I'm going to leave Mutate for last, because that one can be a little hairy. Yeah, that one's going to need a, a lot of it. Uh, not pretty much a lot of explanation, but I think we're going to be t- talking about it for a little bit. Uh, so the next one we've got is the the keyboard counters, yes? Right. Yes. So we're all familiar with plus one, plus one counters, minus one, minus one counters... Um, are there any other kinds of counters that people would know? I don't really know. Anyway, that's good enough. Not really. No, I think that I think the the most common counters bes- like would be plus one plus one counters and minus one minus one counters. Right. Um, unless other cards say like you know put a coin counter on it, like we just got with the new Athreos in uh, Theros Beyond Death, uh, which I mean there are and there are. There are other counters, you know, like book counters, page counters. Right. Um, but I think just the 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 mass general of people who play Magic: The Gathering are used to familiar of the the plus one plus one and the minus one minus ones. And for us, but now we have a but now we have a brand new way to add counters to things. For us commander players, we also have experience counters. But yes, now we have keyword counters. Now counters retains the same property as it always does. It is something that represents a permanent effect on that card. Uh, so plus one plus one counters represents buffs to power and toughness. Minus one minus one counters represents debuffs to power and toughness. Um, they don't always represent buffs to power and toughness. Like we just said, Athreos gives coin counters, which is just gives the card a counter that it has until it's otherwise removed and certain effects happen based on the presence of those counters or not. Like Athreos' coin counter lets you bring a card back from the graveyard at the beginning of your end step. Correct, right. Um, Keyword counters function similarly in that they represent a permanent buff, so to speak, Uh, but they actually give keywords that we're all familiar with by now. So keywords (laughs) include trample, uh, vigilance, lifelink, death touch... uh, I don't know if I already said flying. I don't think I did. Flying. No, you didn't say flying. Uh, so keywords are, as I, as it sounds like, they're just one word that's printed on the card, and they represent certain effects. So trample, any damage that would be dealt beyond lethal to a creature or creatures is uh, dealt to the player, that, uh, the defending player. Uh, flying can only be blocked by flying creatures or creatures of reach, etc. And these keyword counters actually grant these keywords to these creatures as long as they have that counter on them. Uh, This is something entirely new that we have never seen before. We have seen effects that grant trample or flying temporarily. Like you've got the enchantment uh, uh, levitate, which is uh, two blue blue, and it gives all your creatures you control flying. But it doesn't actually give the card flying per se. So if you get rid of... uh, Levitate, then all of your creatures lose flying. Whereas with these counters, you have to get you have to find a way to get rid of the counter first. So not all of your creatures will have flying, death touch, re, uh, life link, or so, right. until you find out a way to get rid of that counter. Or if you remove the card from play and bring it back, it will lose those counters. Right. So we've never really seen a non-permanent based way to grant keywords. Usually, it comes in the form of enchantment, like. Uh, Rancor, or like uh, James just said, uh, Levitate. 
Uh, I only said levitate because it was the first one on top of my head that I remember, and it's in it's in my lands matter deck. It's in my uh, my my Dar deck to give all of my lands flying. But the point, which is, I might have to look at now. <laughs> but the point is, up until now, uh, anything that granted keywords was a permanent. With very or anything that granted keyword permanently was a permanent itself. With a very, very exclusive exception to a card, very old card from Portal Three Kingdoms called Ride the Dilu Horse, which I'm not going to explain right now. It's a very old card. Um, but this is the first time that we are seeing a non-permanent base way to grant keywords semi-permanently. Uh, with that out of the way, now we can finally talk about Mutate. This is the one that I have been dreading talking about since we started discussing this. <laughs> uh, Mutate's just... I think Mutate's going to be a game changer when it comes to commanders. Uh, they just have so much value on them and the ability to give extra value. So Mutate itself is... Uh, there's a cost to pay for it. So uh, just in this instance, we'll go... Uh, Amitri, the ever-playful, who is three black, green, blue for a 6-6 legendary creature Nightmare Beast. It has Trample, and it has whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, return target creature card with Mutate from your graveyard to your hand. And it's also got Mutate, and it's got a Mutate cost of one black, green, blue. So, basically, if you Mutate this card, you are able to put it on top or under a non-human creature you own, and then every time it mutates, it then gets its mutate triggers, which is whenever this creature deals... Oh, so this one says whenever this creature deals combat damage. But there are other ones where it says when this creature mutates, do X. Right. So, um, uh, mutate is uh, one of the more complicated mechanics we've seen in a long time. And I think the last time we saw something even similar to this was in the original Thero set uh, in the original Thero set we had a mechanic called bestow which was you paid the alternate cost similar to mutate and you cast it as an enchantment aura and you would target a creature to enchant uh, mutate is slightly different in that the creature that you cast is still cast as a creature spell um, so it, yeah, so if you pay the mutate cost and you uh, target a creature on the battlefield and it becomes a non-legal target, it still get the mutated card on the stack still gets cast as a creature. Right. So in that way, it's slightly different. Um, the key difference between the way they interact with other creatures is that if a creature is bestowed and that creature is killed somehow, the bestow creature falls off and becomes its own entity. Whereas with Mutate, if that creature dies, the whole stack of mutated creatures is killed. Because Correct. remember that with Mutate, it actually specifies in the reminder text. Um, and the whole thing the other is just the creature on top with the mutations underneath. Yes. And the new Mutate card can go on top or underneath the original Mutated card, as long as it's, an, you know. So we'll go with uh, Mind Leecher for now it's a uh, four black black for a five five creature nightmare it has flying and whenever this creature mutates exile the top card of each opponent's library face down you may look at and play those cards for as long as they remain exiled now it has a mutate cost of four and a black so what this means is that every time you mutate something on top or underneath mind leecher you get to do that effect which 
I think is just going to be ridiculous amount of triggers. I mean, you talk about a Taser death trigger de a deck having so many triggers, the new mutate mechanic's going to make us just have to worry about board states even more now. I, I think the biggest thing with mutate is a lot of people, like myself um, at first, are going to be confused that it is just the creature on top and it's not combining power and toughness. So if your original creature that you mutated was a 6-6, six, six, and that's the one that you choose to put on top, your final creature... It stays a 6-6. Six, six. ...with the text of the creature below it in, in addition to its original text. Yeah, it's it's not... Don't think of uh, Mutate as an equipment card. It's literally just adding more text to the text box. And anytime it says, uh, you know, this creature... Because when you mutate a card underneath another creature... The original creature, the original creatures' stats and everything stay, but the name stays as well. So if the creature underneath says, you know, let's just use, um, I'm trying to find one here exactly, um, Saw Tusk Demolisher, right? If you put another creature under underneath that, it's still going to stay as Saw Tusk Demolisher. If the creature underneath says, uh, when and has its name it just becomes target it just becomes when this creature so that's another thing that people are, are getting confused with at the moment um is when it says and it specifically says the 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 card's name in the text what becomes of that card so it just becomes when this creature does x you get that effect so when this when this creature mutates you get that effect sorry right and worth noting that those those mutate abilities that say when this creature mutates those are triggered abilities, again, that use the stack. So the same way you can Correct. respond to cycling, you can respond to these mutate abilities. <clears throat> Which is where uh, Whirlwind Denial becomes even better. Someone's got a massive, you know, a huge mutated creature and they want to mutate it once more time, one more time and get 13, stack, uh, 13 triggers on the stack. Whirlwind Denial that, you know. It won't counter their creature, but it will counter all of those, those triggers. All right. I think that should just about do it, unless you can think of anything that I'm missing here. Uh, no, not with uh, not with mutate. No, I think we're good with mutate at the moment. Okay. So, I mean, if anyone else wants to is still confused, I'm sure they can uh, they can swing us a message and we can explain it, or we can go back and rehash on mutate if we need to. All right. Um. So. So. I want to talk. There was one more. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say there's one more rule that we that we missed, and one more new keyword that we did miss, and we did that deliberately uh, because it's going to add huge value to the way we build decks and the way we think about decks when we we build for commander. Uh, that new rule is our companion. Yes. So, for anybody unfamiliar with Companion, uh, there are ten of them in Ikoria. There's one for each uh, guild color combination. So, you know, each two-color pair, red, blue, black, white, etc. Uh, companion is a mechanic where the card has a condition listed on it. It's usually a deck-building condition. Actually, I think all of them are, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they all are. So, they all have a restriction to your starting deck, and as a reward for that restriction... You get to play this card essentially as an extra card. It doesn't count against your deck size or anything. No. You get and that's you get to cast it from outside the game once per game. And that's the big thing that ha that 
companion has really thrown a wrench in with commander because we are a 100 card format you know 99 in the stack or 99 in the deck and one off to the side which is your command your, your commander these new companion cards are not in anywhere they're just they're outside of the game they're not even in a sideboard they're nothing they're in their own companion zone um and i think that's probably the biggest thing about them is they're just going to give so much extra value to people's decks i mean there's cards that we'll, we'll go through and we'll list them all and, and we'll list like what's good about them and, and how to use them. But I think just giving some, giving us the ability to play an extra card, you know, like, so you draw your original seven, you know, that technically gives you eight because you have access to your commander. Now in, on your first turn, you have nine cards in hand because you have that extra companion card. So I think what Companion's going to do for the format, especially the rule zero that everyone should be familiar with, you know, you sit down at the table, you talk to the, your play group, uh, you talk to your pod, sorry, about what you're going to be doing. You know, like, I'm playing this card and its power level is that. You know, just having that conversation, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have, I think it's going to add to rule zero saying, you know, what's your power level? Who's your commander? You know, what turn do you expect to kind of combo off? Or are you playing a battle cruiser deck? You know, like, how do you play magic? You know, do you rely heavily on tutors? Do you not rely heavily on tutors? You know, all the, the regular questions we ask people when we talk about magic. But I think what we're going to be adding now is companion. Is do you run a companion card? Do you not run a companion card? Because I think if you're running, if you're the only one in a pod with playing with a companion card off to the side, I feel like you're going to be getting not a huge advantage to adding to your win rate, but you're definitely going to be getting an added bonus uh, over uh, well it's more of a, a competitive edge over the people who aren't playing with a companion right so I think the most powerful thing about these companions um, and actually I'm going to preface it a little bit by saying in commander in particular in pretty much every format the, one of the most powerful things you can do is cast a tutor for anybody who is newer to the game a tutor is a card that allows you to search your library for a particular card Sometimes it can be any card, sometimes it'll have a certain quality, and you can add that card to your hand or put it on top of your deck. Yeah. Um, so, like, Mystical Tutor, Diabolic Tutor. That you can do in Magic in general, and particularly in Commander, because we're a singleton format, so that reduces the variance incredibly. And Companion falls along the same lines, except you're just skipping the middleman of casting the Tutor, you know? And these Companions are cards that obviously you have already built around because they all have these restrictions so it's going to be a powerful effect consistently every time you play the game with little to no drawback i think is the most powerful thing and it's an extra card that you just have access to all the time and Correct. a lot of people i've been noticing are overlooking the fact that it is a 100 percent guaranteed extra card with a highly relevant effect for your deck and those effects we'll probably get... Oh, I mean, we'll get into right, right now. So, like we said, there's 10 brand new uh, com uh, companion cards, and we're going to list them off. Uh, actually, we're going to do eight, uh, because two of them two of them are not playable in our format. One, because one of them is banned, and the other one requires you to have over your... What is it? Uh, over your starting deck amount and we aren't able to change our deck size right so, so it's asking you to play more than at least 20 cards so the two band cards or the two cards that we can't play in the format uh as a companion the one of them which you would have heard about because it's famously been everywhere uh is Lutri the spell chaser 
It is a one hybrid is it hybrid is it, which is just either a blue or a red. So two of those for a three two elemental creature. Sorry, a 3-2 legendary creature, Elemental Otter. It says, Companion, each non-land card in your starting deck has a different name. Now, for us in a singleton format, that's literally every single deck that has, you know, is it colors. Right. Which means so, I mean, it's it's playing, literally played in, in every single is it deck. So, if you're playing a five-color deck, if you're playing is it colors, if you're playing, you know, uh, I can't think of the shard names... And the uh, at the moment, Shards off the top of my head, Jund. Oh, Jund. Not red, blue. Not mm. yeah, yeah, not Jund. Grixis, Grixis. Yes, right. yes, yes. That's one. I, I couldn't think of it. Not off the top of my head. So it says it has flash, and uh, so Lutri the spell tracer has flash. Uh, and when Lutri the spell tracer enters the battlefield, if you cast it, copy target instant or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. Now, I don't have to tell you how powerful copying a spell is in Magic, especially in Commander. Especially also in those colors, too. Yeah, even even casting Lutri on something as simple as a one-mana blue cantrip is still extremely powerful. So, this card was preemptively banned due to its high power level, uh, non-existent drawback. It would literally just be the 101st card in any deck that plays red and blue. Correct. It's an it's an or I mean we don't really want to talk about auto includes when it comes to commander, especially I mean like where we play commander because we're not like we're not an absolutely competitive or anywhere up there uh, when we when we play it in our playgroups. Yeah, we play strong decks, but we don't play like turn two, turn three combos. And I think anyone having access to this card would just be, you know. It's it's a dual caster mage essentially that doesn't need to be fished out of your deck. So it's slightly different from dual caster, and that dual caster can copy any instant or sorcery, and Lutri specifies ones that you control. Um, but it is worth noting that. So just just to, just to, just to say, I do have what I would consider a competitive deck. I have Marisol the Pretender, and. I would 100% play Lutri in that deck, even though it has absolutely nothing to do with the theme of the deck, has nothing to do with anything. It's just a huge value engine. But getting, you know, getting that extra copy of any spell is huge. Exactly. And, like, obviously in that deck I play things like Dig Through Time, Serum Visions, Preordain, uh, Ponder. All of these cards are cheap, and getting two copies of them would just be absolutely insane. I play Intuition in that deck. I would love to Lutri and Intuition and search my deck for six cards. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be phenomenal. <clears throat> and Intuition's an instant, and Lutri has flesh. So I could even do it on someone's <laughs> end step. All right. So I don't want to now, talk too much more about Lutri because he is banned. So he is banned, yeah. We don't want to get everyone's hopes up. Day. I don't think we'll ever <laughs> see the light of day ever, ever, ever. I mean, the band list for us is, is, I mean, it is just a guideline. I mean, if you want to talk to your playgroup and be like, hey, can we allow Lutri for, a, you know, just say two months worth of playtesting or trying it out. I mean, we never really got that from the rules committee. So, I mean, if you want to give it a go and try it, then by all means, you know, talk, talk to your friends, talk to your playgroup, see if you can just throw Lutri in a deck somewhere and see how, how much fun it could be. 
Right, and I guarantee you, you'll come up with the same result as everybody else. But it, yeah. it, it might be <laughs> worth trying. Um, the other one that we... It's not banned, but we cannot play it as for its companion uh, cost in our format is Yorion the Sky Nomad, which is three uh, Azorius Hybrid, Azorius Hybrid, which means you can pay those mana costs with either blue or white mana. Uh, its companion restriction is that your starting deck has at least 20 cards more than the minimum deck size. Um, as we all know in Commander, we can only have um, 100 cards in our deck, 99 of them are our actual deck technical and one difficulties. of them is commander, which equals 100 cards total. At the moment. So we can't actually fulfill that companion condition. Now, I do want to pay special attention... I do want to pay special attention to Yorion itself without the companion cost. It is a legendary creature. It is a flying 4-5, and it says when it enters the battlefield, exile any number of other non-land permanents you both own and control. Return those cards to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. So, real quick, I just want to briefly say that this could actually be a contender with Brago for blue-white blink decks. Brago needs to deal combat damage in order to have his ability uh, proc, whereas Yurion just does it on ETB. So... Just wanted to give that an honorable mention, even though we can't play it as compa companion, it would still be very good in the 99 of any blinky deck, or even it contends with Brago as a commander for the blue-white blink deck. Alright, so we are going to move on to the actual... So one of the next commanders, uh, sorry, so one of the next companions we can play is Yumori the Collector. Now, Yumori the Collector is a two for hybrid Golgari, hybrid Golgari for a four five legendary creature ooze with companion. Each non-land card in your starting deck shares a card type. If this card is your chosen com uh, companion, you may cast it once from outside of the game. Now we didn't mention before, but companions once they're uh, once they're in the game, they act like every other creature in the game. So if it goes to the graveyard, it goes to the graveyard. If it gets shuffled back into your deck, it goes back to your deck. If it goes to your hand, it goes to your hand. Uh, there's no way to get it back into that companion zone or back it to outside of the game once it has entered the game. Um, as Yumori, the collector, enters the battlefield, choose a card type. Spells you cast of the chosen type cost one less to cast. So, as we all know, cheating mana in Magic is always very a very powerful, very good effect. Um, having a consistent way to do that, such as this companion, is even more powerful. Its restriction is that your starting deck has... each non-land card in your starting deck has to share a card type, which means that uh, all of them have to have the creature type, or all of them have to have the enchantment type, all of them have to have the artifact type, etc. So, I could so, I could very easily see this being an artifact-centric deck where you're just playing green-black artifacts very similar to, like, Glissa the Traitor. There you go. I just made the deck. It's Glissa the Traitor with this as the companion. Artifact. <laughs> There you go. Done. Look at that. Oh, actually, that's probably my neck. You can't do that because Glissa is not an artifact, and she is part of the deck, so that would not work. So you would have to play a Golgari artifact legendary creature. 
Or you could play Moldrotha all permanent, or sorry, all creatures. Play your, uh, play your Umori and discount all your creatures. Note that these discounts apply to things that you cast, which means even if you cast them from the graveyard with Moldrotha, you are still getting that discount. So that is another decent way to build around. And we and we just did get that uh, that that snake that reduces the cost of uh, things you cast from the graveyard by two. So I mean, there's there's a three a three trade off. Yep. And so this is also just very efficiently costed four mana four five. It, it it'll hold the ground for a long time. Oh yeah, definitely. I think this is just a very powerful effect. It's it's mana cheating in Golgari, something that we don't see too often. And again, like most of these companions, like why not play it? Honestly. <clears throat> and I mean, if you're playing, it's not typically the way you play a Maldrotha deck because you play Maldrotha to get absolute value. Um, but you could throw in a, uh, um. Yarrick the Desecrated in that deck as well and just get insane. I mean, you could even play just Yarrick the Desecrated as your commander as well. Also true. Because he wants to double the effects of, of permanents coming in. And I mean, if you're just playing creatures with a, a lot of ETB effects and then getting Maldrotha out to then be able to play them from the graveyard, I mean, that's just insane value right there. You just won't get the ramp from the artifacts or anything that you that you want so you'd have to get ramp through all of your creatures but I mean green and ramp creatures is ridiculous I mean if you just want to play you know all of your little dirtily elves to get uh, mana that way or you can play like wood elves uh, there's secure a tribe elder I mean there's many ways of getting creatures who ETB and get you a land card out of your deck right and just a couple things that I want to mention real quick um I actually forgot the first one that I wanted to say. That's <laughs> um, oh, yes. So, Umori's ability is not an enter the battlefield ability. It isn't as it enters the battlefield. So, if you're thinking of panharmoniconing your Umori, don't do it. It's not going to work. Um, and I, I only wanted to mention that because you had mentioned Yarok, and I didn't want people to get the wrong idea that you can choose a card type twice with Umori when you have Yarok out. I mean, you... The double discount. Um, well, I mean, you could, but the first one would then get erased by the second one. So it's always the last one that you choose would be the one that you would choose. That you would get, sorry. Well, you just wouldn't get double triggers here. As it enters uh, the battlefield. It's not when it enters the battlefield. Oh, okay. So yep, it, it works I, the I same see that way. It, it works the same way as clones. So clones, yep. um, your opponent doesn't know what you're going to copy before, you, before it enters the battlefield. You don't yep. have to say what it's going to copy. Uh, on the subject of clones, though, uh, you'll note that Umori is a creature. So, uh, things it is. like clone, um, I forgot the two mana one, phantasmal image, uh, things like that can copy this and gives you extra discounts. Note that if you do go the all creature route, your phantasmal image will cost one blue mana when you cast it. <clears throat> and again, you know that you're going to have Umori because it has companion. So, you can actually Did we just make that happen. Did we just build, like, a uh, an Amori deck, like, on the spot? Probably. I mean, these <laughs> this is build themselves. I mean, Literally. I have <laughs> I have a Maldoratha and a Yarrick ready to go, so, I mean, like, we could totally build this deck. Um, so, Amori, I think, is one of the better companions, and I do want to say that we are talking from the perspective of Commander. We're not talking about other constructed formats, like Standard, mm -hmm. Modern, Legacy, Vintage. We are talking exclusively in terms of Commander. 
And that being said, I think Umori is probably one of the better ones for our format. Very easy companion restriction and very powerful effect. Correct. Especially we're like reducing the the cost of the creatures and then having you know like your wood elves is what? Two in a two in a blue? Oh sorry, two in a green. Yeah. Uh so I mean that's that's basically a better rampant growth right there. And honestly, you could even throw in Triskelion combo with, uh, you know, you have Scavenging Goose, Triskelion, and Micaias the Unhallowed. You have Micaias and Triskelion, your graveyard, Scavenging Goose on the field. And so are you saying a... Entirely creature-based combo right there for you. Are you saying a two-card infinite combo with, with, with Umori? <laughs> um, well, Umori just helps you speed up the process of getting there. Yeah. But uh, it is a, a three-card, entirely creature-based combo. You can fetch all three pieces with Buried Alive, and if you have any reanimation in your deck, you can just get the scavenger news back. Which, I mean, if you play Maldrotha, then you're definitely going to have it there ready to go. Uh, just in case no one's really... F- I mean, just in case there's new people who don't know the... It's called Mike and Trike combo, uh, which is... Ma- Ma- what is it? Micaeus, the Unhollowed, and Triskelion. Yeah. Uh, do you want to explain... Just like do a rundown of the cards for us real quick? Yeah, so I've never actually done the combo myself. <laughs> um, I uh, cards that are involved. So Mikhail- Only one person I know has played the combo on, on us, and that was our friend Sean, who plays it in his Gave deck. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the combo. I will preface it just by saying that. But it works with... So you need Micaeus the Unhallowed. Either... If, if you want to do it with two cards, you need Micaeus the Unhallowed in Triskelion and play. Uh, Micaeus the Unhallowed is a 6 mana, so 3 and 3 black. I think he's a 5-5. Five, five. Uh, yes, yes, he's a 5-5. Five, five. He gives your other non-human creatures plus 1, plus 1, and undying, I believe is the text. Correct. Okay. Um, Triskelion is a 6 mana artifact creature. He is a He enters the battlefield with, I think, 3 plus 1, plus 1 counters. Yep. He also has starting power, starting power and toughnesses uh, one one. Um, so, with the both of those on the field, what you would do is with Triskelion, you would remove. I'm sorry, Triskelion has an activated ability that says remove a plus one plus one counter from him, or from Triskelion, and uh, deal one damage to any target. I think the original card says to target creature or player, but it's been eroded to any target. Uh, yeah, it says remove a plus one plus one counter from Triskelion. Triskelion deals one damage to target creature or player. Right, and that's been errata to any targets. You can hit Planeswalkers if you want, but you're probably killing people at this point, so you don't care. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you remove two of the plus one, plus one counters. Remember, he starts at three. To deal two damage, spread however you choose, and then you need to use the last counter to deal a damage to Triskelion itself, because remember, it is not a human, which means it'll have plus one, plus one from Micaius. So mm-hmm. once you remove that plus one, plus one counter and deal a damage to Triskelion, it will die since it was a non-human and has undying and since it had zero plus one plus one counters on it when it entered when uh, it died it will come back to play with an additional plus one plus one counter on it in addition to the three that it enters with so it'll come back with four you repeat this process over and over again killing triskelion each time and each time it dies because you're removing the plus one plus one counter to do it it will keep dying without a plus one plus one counter on it and I didn't Correct. actually discuss this, but the importance of it not having plus one plus one counters on it is because Undying will not proc on death if it has a plus one plus one counter on it already. 
And I think that pretty much explains the full combo, unless I missed something. Yep. I mean, it's a pretty... It's one of the easier combos to get, like, to understand, like, the mic and track. Um, so... But with saying that, I think uh, we've, we've talked Yumori a, a bit now. Uh, we still have a, a lot more to get through. Uh, if you have anything else to say... Yeah, I just want to specify. I realize, I just realized I said scavenging ooze. I meant necrotic ooze. <laughs> okay. Two different... Necrotic... Yeah, necrotic ooze lets you... Uh, have activated abilities out of the graveyard on yeah. Necrotic Ooze. Exactly, yeah. So, the next one we're going to talk about is the Demir uh, Companion. It is Garuda, Doom of Depths. It is four and Demir, uh, hybrid Demir, hybrid Demir for a 6-6 six, six legendary creature, Demon Kraken. Uh, with Companion, your starting deck contains only cards with even converted mana cost. Uh, when... Garuda enters the battlefield. Each player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard. Put a creature card with an even converted mana cost from among those cards into the battlefield under your control. Okay. So, uh, this one is one that James can attest. I've been experiencing pushback on from our playgroup. They insist it's not that good. I insist that it is absolutely nutso. It's a free reanimate effect on a 6-6. Before I discuss its ramifications and its possibilities, I do want to mention that obviously when he enters the battlefield, each player mills for it, but the last line of text, that ability is mandatory, which means if you can reanimate a creature, you must do so. If there is a legal target, you have to reanimate that target. It does not say you may put a creature card. It says put a creature card with an even converted mana cost from the milled cards onto the battlefield. So even if it's detrimental to you, you must do it. Now, obviously, if there is more than one target, you can choose the, which one you target. But you must do it no matter what. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that the only drawback I have with it, and I'll just be, let, I'll just play devil's advocate right now for everyone else who's going. But converted mana cost. I mean, there are a lot of great cards with even converted mana costs. And, yes. but I mean, that's that's one thing that you have to worry about with your deck building is how do you effectively build a deck that uses the this card, you know, that uses Garuda to its max potential while still only using even converted mana costs. Now, like, there's things like Growth Spiral, Parad- Paradise Druid, I mean, Spark Double. So, I mean, there's there, there's ways powerful. of doing it. Uh, most clones are even-costed clones. Um, let's see. There is... I just... I'm not, I hate to bring this up, but I just mentioned Necrotic Ooze. He's four mana. Um, Triskelion is six. Micaiah <laughs> And I mean, they're in the right colors. I mean, if you, you could do it. I mean, Mike and Trike kind of just... So it, it, it's like a, a Sanguine Blood, the Sanguine Blood combo in black. I mean, if you in the colors and you, if you want to play that route, you totally can. I mean, just... If you want to be that person and 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 run the mic and track then go ahead and do it i mean right. but, i wouldn't say no but barring that there are several there's a lot of other things you can do thing. the grave titan one of the best black cards ever is six mana uh Fro- yep. Fro- all, all the titans are six mana so you could even play frost titan in here like i said all the clones are not all of them but i think most of them are evenly costed um it's also important to note that zero is an even mana cost I don't know how that's relevant, but if you wanted to play Midnight in your Garuda deck, you could go ahead and do that. <clears throat> I mean, zero being an, an, an even mana cost, you could play those zero mana rocks. 
Right, and there's a ton of two mana mana rocks out there. Uh, one of the common thing points that I've had brought up to me with Gyruda being only even mana cost is that oh you can't play your soul ring and to that I say who cares but soul ring one I mean and you're 99 soul ring's right? great but I mean you could always just play I mean soul ring's great but it's an artifact and artifacts are really are really easy to get removed removed from the game whereas if you played growth spiral which is the same you know it's one more but you get to draw a card and put a land from your hand under the battlefield and i mean removing lands from the game isn't something we really do in commander because i mean it's kind of frowned upon um another thing to note is that it is in blue black Moldrotha happens to be Saltai, and i didn't mention this earlier <laughs> i think but companion cards when they die they go straight to the graveyard so, uh, you may want to bear that in mind for your Moldrotha decks out there if you wanted to build a spicy little brew. Make yourself and he is, I mean, deck. I mean, you could either go, you know, the even mana cost deck, or you could always go with the, the, the companion card we, ju- we just talked about, uh, Umori, and I mean, you could get both of them in the one Moldrotha deck. Even mana cost, and they have to share a card type. Wow, you actually could. That's absolutely insane. But one would be in the 99, and one would be your, your companion. Well, because you can only have you only have one companion card per deck, right? But for the one that is in the deck, you wouldn't have to satisfy its companion condition. No, but I mean, either way, they're both really easy to satisfy in a, you know, in 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 Sultai colors, right? And both very powerful in their own regards. I would consider Garuda maybe a little more powerful. Uh, actually, I don't know. It's pretty close. In the I think the effect on Garuda is is, I mean, I would most likely play Garuda in the ninety nine and play Umori because then you can get the reduction on Garuda and then just make it even, it just makes it even better instead of being a 6 CMC for a 6-6 six, six, it's a 5 CMC for a 6-6 six, six, so you're just getting extra value there and then you get to bring something back as well if so I mean you could you could mill yourself into a Grave Titan Grave Titan comes out adds you know he comes out he's a 6-6 six, six, he puts two 2-2 two, two zombies on the field I mean for 5 mana you've literally just put what um, quick math 14 power on the field in one turn uh 16 actually because grave titan See, makes two, look at that. two two twos yeah i never said i was a, i never said i was a math whiz ever <laughs> um uh, barring that i mean everybody maybe if you're not familiar with the praetors they're an old car type each of them are very powerful in their own regard uh moldrotha i know we're talking about moldrotha a lot but I think this is probably the best home for that deck, or for this card. Um, she is in green, blue, and black. Two of the Praetors, uh, the blue one, which is Jenga Taxius, and the green one, which is... Vornklex. Vornklex. Uh, Vornklex is 8 mana, and Jenga Taxius is 10. Again, even, even compared to mana cost? There, those are all even mana costs. <laughs> uh, you can watch your table's uh, eyes roll as you slam a Garuda into a Vornklex onto the battlefield or Jinkataxius. <clears throat> so I think it's just overall a very powerful card. I feel like a lot of people are really overlooking the potential of it in, our f- in uh, the Commander format. And I look forward to... Possibly trying to run this deck, this Meldrotha build myself, as I've been looking to revamp it. Actually, I mean, let's uh, let's just we can do a we can do a spicy brew with it. I mean, we can we let's both we can sit down and and just and and hash it out. And we both can make the deck and see see what's going on. 
if if the public is interested, we can uh, put put that list out there for anybody that wants to also yeah take part. We'll uh we'll we can put it up on um Architect or we can put it up on uh, anywhere else that hosts decks and we can put it in the uh, we'll put it in the show notes. For anybody else that's also interested, remember that your Dryad Arbor in your Moldrotha deck is zero mana cost creature, which means that Gyruda can get it. If you cared enough to do it. <laughs> so, I think we'll move on from the Maldrotha, uh, Umari, uh, and, and Garuda deck. Yes. Because that is just ridiculously powerful. I mean, we just we just brewed up a deck on the spot. Uh, and we'll put that list together uh, later on today, and we'll put it in the show notes. So people can have a look at it and, and kind of look and see what we were talking about. And also, whenever this podcast uh, picks up and people start participating... Uh, you let us know what kind of budget you want us to work with when we do these builds. Um, yeah, definitely. That's, that's important because not everybody has the same disposable income. I, 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 like, I happen to have, you know, a collection where I can I can build these things pretty, you know, easily. But I understand that not everybody will have access to that. So you let us know what kind of budget you want us to work with. If you want us to use guild gates instead of shocklands, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to sit with the budget. I mean, I don't have a, uh, I don't have a, a massive collection of cards, um, per se. But I mean, I've been able to build. I mean, I mainly just work off trades. Uh, just picking up, like, I mean, those mystery boosters that just came out give you a lot. I mean, can give you a lot of uh, trade fodder to get the cards that you actually want. I mean, that's pretty much what I did, and I was able to build a, a decent uh, taster deck for about you know 25 no it was actually 22 dollars and the rest were all trades and i mean i traded for good cards too like i traded for like karmic guides and, and um, a big bang and and revel arc i mean it depends on 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 who's uh wanting to trade for what but i mean <laughs> trade trade food for cards and i'm happy with that <laughs> uh so moving on we've got uh obosh the prey piercer he is the rakdos companion he is three hybrid Rakdos, hybrid Rakdos for a 3-5 legendary Helion Horror. That was really hard to get out. Helion Horror. <laughs> Companion, your starting deck contains only cards with odd converted mana costs and land cards. If a source you control with an odd converted mana cost would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals double that damage to that permanent or player instead. So my first thoughts reading this deck would be X spells, just playing huge odd X spells. Cause I mean, technically, oh, can you, could you play X spells? I didn't even think of that. Cause they're not, they wouldn't be cards. I mean, villain, well, villainous wealth isn't a great example. Um, it's not even in the colors. As long as the, co- the, the, the converted mana cost minus the X is odd. It's completely fine. So, like, Fireball, for example, yes. is okay. red and X. That has a converted mana cost of 1. So that would work. So if you Fireballed for 10, you're Fireballing for 20. If you Fireballed for 20, you're Fireballing for 40, etc. Um, yeah, as long as it contains odd converted mana costs, so... Right, so Exsanguinate would not work. Um... Exsanguinate would not work for more reasons than one. Exsanguinate is each player, each opponent loses X life, I think, is the way it's worded. Yes. Yes. And that is not damage dealt. I don't I don't think that actually works. I might actually be wrong on that. I'm not entirely sure. Moving on, though, it's, it's not going to work because it's even mana cost. Um, 
just want to clarify because some people might be confused as to why Obosh specifies your starting deck can only have odd converted mana costs and lands, whereas Gyruda says just even converted mana costs because lands are zero mana cost permanents. So if it didn't have that text right there and land cards, you would not be able to play lands in your deck because they are evenly costed because they are zero mana. Just wanted to Correct. specify that for anybody that you know saw that and was going to ask in advance. Be a little confused at, at, at Obosh. Uh, just the wording saying end lands because yeah. Um, um, so in Rakdos, obviously you have a ton of effects that deal damage, a ton of spells. There's Earthquake, there's... Uh, do you remember the name of that red one from Conspiracy 2? Uh, I can't remember the name of it. No, but I can remember Comet Storm. Comet Storm is even, isn't it? Is, is Comet Storm... I'm just quickly bringing it up now. <laughs> yes, I am too. I think it's too red, right? Yeah, so Comet Storm is... <laughs> yeah, too red. So you wouldn't be able Sorry. to play that one, unfortunately. Um, all yeah, and you, would, you wouldn't be able to play Exsanguinate either because it's double black, but it says each opponent loses X life. You gain life equal to the life lost this way. Right. Um, Which I need to pick one up. So all your actual Rakdos commanders, when by that I mean... Rakdos, you know, the demon, the legend, the actual demon from Ravnica. Yeah, I believe all of his iterations are even mana costs, except maybe his original one, Rakdos the Defiler. Nope, it's also six. Okay, <laughs> so they're all even. Yeah. <laughs> so so you're not I mean, the demon boy. Um, no, so this this card it, it requires a bit of a workaround to get it to work I don't think it's one of the more powerful uh, companions we have um, but I mean if you were looking at doing that odd I mean there's a lot of there is a lot of X spells that you could use and not to mention that X spells aren't necessarily the only way to build it you could just build some kind oh, of oh no you know multicolored doesn't even have to be just Rakdos it could be five color and you just build only odd mana costs and anything notice this has a source you control with an odd converted mana cost Anything that has an automatic cost will deal double damage all the time. So, Hidetsugu the Heartless, actually, I just realized. Uh, Hidetsugu the Heartless is a 5 mana 3-3, three, three, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, you can tap to deal damage to each player equal to half of their starting life total rounded up. Or, sorry, not starting life total, just their life total. Which means that with Obosh on the field, you would kill the whole table by tapping it. Because it's dealing half of the life total rounded up, and you double that. So it will kill the whole table every time. Uh, is this just how we... Uh, this has just become how do we kill the table as fast as possible with, with these companions? Well, the problem is that it'll kill you too because it deals damage to each player. So Yeah, but if you, just, if, you just want the, uh, if, you, if you just want the game to come out as a draw, then why not? Now, the, there is one way around that and it is by giving Hidetsugu lifelink because you will gain the life that he uh, deals in damage. So that would be... A decent combo-y, combo-ish win. Um, I really can't think of many homes for this card outside of just uh, mana cost brews. I, f I feel like the red spell slinger route could potentially work, but I feel like it'll get hated out a lot of the time just because, you know, people don't really like when you're Earthquake for 20. 
No, I don't like when you earthquake for 20 either. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean... Um, so, I... F- it is what... I mean, like, games have to end at, uh, eventually. And, I mean, if you want to end the game that way, then totally go for it. So, I, I do think this one does have some potential. And I think maybe I'm just struggling to find the home for it. And it probably has a lot to do with the fact that I don't play this color combination often. Uh, I think the Hidetsugu combo I just mentioned might be a pretty spicy way to do it, and people are probably going to laugh every time. I know I personally would laugh, because Hidetsugu is a really funny card. But then that just comes down to it, it's being played as like a... a it, it's more of like a janky combo, really. Because right. it kills you at the same time. Unless you had like... Uh, collar or something to that effect. Yeah, something something to give it life link. That way you wouldn't die. But I mean, even if you all died, then the game ends and you just drop off and play another one. Uh, worth noting that if you play Phyrexian Arena with Obosh out, uh, it deals two damage to you instead of one. That's, that's <laughs> a bit of a non It does specify a permanent or player, not an opponent. So your Phyrexian Arena will deal two to you. Uh, just a funny little interaction I wanted to note. And I really don't have much else to say about Obosh. I feel like he might be a little bit of a sleeper, potentially. But I don't really have yeah, much to say about him. I, I, think we're, I think with this one, we're probably still waiting for cards to get printed for it. But, I mean, it's probably the start of a line that Wizards are doing to make this card better. Okay, so, moving on. The next one we have... It was the. It's basically the, the poster child for the companion. It was everywhere when companion. It was the first companion ever ever came out and during the spoiler seasons. Is uh, Karuga the the macro sage? He is in Simic colors, so he is three hybrid Simic hybrid Simic for a four five legendary dinosaur hippo. Dinosaur hippo. Just let that sink in for a second. Dinosaur hippo. I mean, I, I love it. And companion and the art looks more like a walrus it's very interesting it does <laughs> it really does uh okay so a companion your starting deck contains only cards with converted mana cost three or greater end lands yeah. now that end land sync comes back because again lands are you know canada's one cmc zero uh zero cmc <laughs> sorry which is which is equal my bad <laughs> it's been a long day uh, it also says when Karuga the mass the macro sage enters the battlefield, draw a card for each other convert uh, each other permanent you control with converted mana cost three or greater. He is a huge, huge draw engine for you. Yeah. So this card reminds me a lot of Regal Force, which is yeah f- a seven mana, a five five creature. It's four and then green 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 which I'm actually going to revisit that on the next card that we talk about. Uh, please remind me. It'll be a good example okay. to use. Yep. Um, and Regal Force says, when it enters the battlefield, draw a card for each green creature you control. Karuga is essentially the same thing, except instead of just green creatures, it's for any permanent you control with converted mana cost 3 or greater. Now, what makes this effect particularly powerful is the fact that Again, it has companion. You are guaranteed to have this effect on turn five every time, provided you have the lance to cast it. And mm-hmm. he does not draw a card for himself, unfortunately. Regal Forest does count himself, but Karuga does not count itself. It says each other permanent you control, but it does count all permanents. So creatures, artifacts, enchantments. Um, no lands have mana cost three or greater. Am I missing any? Planeswalkers. 
any permanent, anything that sticks to the battlefield, if it's got a mana cost of three or greater, you draw a card. You're drawing, you're drawing a card for it. And th- we always say the most powerful thing to do in, to do in Commander is draw a card. Um, I think he's decent. Um, the drawback is really not that bad. In Commander, your turns often start off casting... Or your game starts off casting, you know, three, four, five drops anyway. Not a lot of yeah. play action I mean, where you're playing the f- two drops consistently. Yeah, and the usually the first three turns of a commander game is land go, land go, land go. Usual, that's the usual way. But sometimes it is like you know land soul ring into something else, like into a signet. But I mean, even then, like you couldn't do that with this deck because you have to play from three upwards. But that's not going to give you that much of a drawback uh, when you can play those those bigger spells at the end. Uh, if you were really worried about mana uh, in those colors, I mean, you've got Again, you've got all of your uh, your rampy cards. So you've got all like all play, of your ramp creatures. Cultivate, Kodama's Reach. You can play Explosive Vegetation. Wood Elves. this route, Wood Elves. Um, I mean, even if you wanted to, you could play a uh, uh, Nissa's Renewal. I mean, it's 6 CMC, but gets you 3 lands and gains you 7 life. I mean, it's not really a card we ever see in Commander, but I mean, it's another way of getting... I mean, with this deck... Uh, you know, more lands into play so you can play those bigger spells. <clears throat> For those of you who have been paying attention to my constant praise of Muldrotha, this card happens to be Simic. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just found the episode title. <laughs> we love Muldrotha. <laughs> um, jo- joking aside, okay. uh, there are a lot of homes for this card. It's a very... It's one of the most vanilla companions, but because of that it is also one of the more powerful ones it just has a very powerful effect and it's something that every deck if it can play it would want <clears throat> it's ve- it's very simic I'll, i will say that it's it's very much what simic wants to do you know simic wants to put lots of cards in your hands and i mean that isn't a bad thing i mean it's exactly what we need in sim it's what you would expect out of a simic uh, companion um i don't really have anything else to say about it like i said it's a it's a it's as far as companions go it's a very vanilla minion so there's not too much i want to say about that unless you had anything to nope. add james okay all right so then moving on moving on we actually have a, a a an odd one because for everyone else in every other format it would be known as a gruel companion but in this instance in commander it's actually a five colored uh, five color companion so it is uh gigantha the wellspring he is four uh and hybrid gruel for a five five legendary elemental elk with companion no card in your starting deck has more than one of the same mana symbol in its mana cost uh you can then tap him to add wooberg this mana can't this mana can't be spent to pay generic mana costs um, so I just noticed something actually that I'm actually probably going to tweet Sheldon Henry about to ask. These cards don't technically start in your deck, so I'm not entirely sure if they're colorized. Then these matter. Has there has there has there been a confirmation on that? Do you know? Um, not that I've seen. No, and I don't think anyone's actually asked that question. But I would assume because it comes. I mean. 
I know. Everything it's else, really everything, I, yeah, I mean, even for us, I mean, and and I'm not saying that we know every single rule of Commander, because there is always those, a couple, like, that's the one would just come up, but I would assume that if it's a part of your, your cohesive deck, then it would have to follow the guidelines of color identity because the other ones can only be played in those colors right and because then because then any com- any companion could be played in any color deck right which would be the dilemma which i feel like even if that was allowed people probably wouldn't would house rule it that it would have to match the color identity so we're, we're, so i we're, believe we're, that we're this- gonna we're gonna go on that premise and say that Gigantic this is a five color commander is, is a five color color identity um yeah so as James said, uh, it can tap to add Wooburg, which is white, blue, black, red, and green mana. Uh, that is one of the highest mana payoffs for a mana dork that you can get. Only, yeah. only seen from the likes of things like Bloom Tender and uh, Fabro Elder is the newest one that is similar. But this one guarantees Wooburg every time. Now the drawback, obviously, is that you can't spend that mana to pay generic mana costs. Generic mana costs are, when you look at the mana cost for a card, you'll see a gray circle with a number inside of it. That means that that mana is generic, and it can be paid by any color of mana. The mana that Gigantha produces cannot be used to pay that cost. It can only be spent on the colored uh, pips at the, on the top right in the mana cost. Uh, so to talk about, but even so, that is oh, sorry. that is really powerful on, on on its own. I mean, tapping to add five mana to your mana pool, right? And in a five color, and I mean, you almost always have use for each of those pips. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, you could use this. I mean, this in a Golos deck. Oh yeah, that because you then have all of your right that exactly. I mean, Golos is uh, two. And Wooburg, and you get to what is it? Look at the top three cards of your library exile and put the and you get sorry exile for free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but I mean, especially in well, I mean, it's five colors. There is definitely ways to tap and untap legendary permanents. I mean, you could almost add sure. infinite colored mana to your mana pool with this. So this and then infinite of everything except blue alone with freed from the real. So that's a two card combo right there to make infinite of any color mana except blue. Mm-hmm. So there's a combo uh, area for anybody. You could do, you could do Isochron Scepter and uh, Dramatic Reversal. That would not work because Isochron Scepter is too generic mana and tap to use it. So you would need mana rocks with it, but it could work. Yeah, it wouldn't work with Gigantha alone. But if you had a be- mana rocks, then yeah. If you even if you had just a Soul Ring, there you go. Infinite colored mana. Um, so his companion restriction is that your starting deck cannot contain more than no no cards in your starting deck can have more than one of the same mana symbol in its mana cost. Uh, the wording can be a little tricky to wrap your head around, but I just mentioned before Regal Force was four generic mana and three green. Notice that the green repeats. You cannot have any of that in your deck. You can only have one pip of each color on a card. So, yeah. uh, for anybody who is in standard, maybe just getting into commander, uh, there are a few cards that have been introduced lately that see standard play that uh, best ex- exemplify this. Nissa World Shaker, is that her name? The newer one? World Shaker? Uh, sure n- that's it. Nissa Who Shakes the World. There you go. I was close enough. 
Uh, Nissa who shakes the world. Sh her mana cost is three generic mana and two green. The green repeats, therefore you cannot use her in the deck with Gigantha. Uh, Brazen Borrower also sees a lot of scenario play. That is one generic mana and two blue. You'll notice that the blue repeats. Again, that's a no-go. You can't have and then repeat. And then it looks even worse with uh, Casualties of War because that's double black, double green. Right. So... And that that used to see that sees standard play. I I don't think that one sees as much standard play. It might see a little bit of uh, side word play, but uh, Niv Mizzet Reborn uh, was a deck for a little while. I don't know actually know if it's still pl uh, played, but Niv Mizzet Reborn is Wooburg exactly. It's white, blue, black, red, green, and you get a I believe it's a six six, and he yeah. also does some stuff with. Uh, getting guild-colored cards off the top of your deck. Look at the top ten. He is Wooburg, which means that a Gigantha can tap to pay for it. And, since none of the mana costs repeat, you can very easily play Niv-Mizzet in the, this Gigantha deck. I mean, uh, Gigantha might even be the companion in your Niv-Mizzet deck. <coughs> But the point I want—I definitely to make, believe that. Yeah. The point I wanted to make is that you know, the mana cost cannot repeat as long as you only have one of each pip in a card, you're fine. Yeah, <clears throat> and I mean that's super easy to do in a commander deck. Uh, there's so many directions to take Gigantha that I feel like trying to discuss all of them would probably do it more of a disservice because then people might get a little too tunnel visioned. We did mention Golos; that's a very good one. Um, any five-color general, like Ramos is another good one. I mean, those are probably the two two of the top-tier ones. Then you also have Chardo Valara. You can play Jota. Jota's another very good one. Jota means that Gigantha can pay for any of your spells, because you can Correct. pay Uber for any of them. Yep. So that's another very good one. Again, there's just so many different directions with five colors. You can do literally anything you want. So uh, I don't, I don't yeah. want to get into... The, too into the nitty gritty of it, otherwise it can be a very long conversation. Unless you had anything to add, yeah. James. No, I have nothing else to add, no. Okay. Uh, so we're going to move on to the next one. So the next card we're going to talk about is Korea? Close enough. I mean, these names are just so ridiculous. Kahira uh, the Orphan Kahira the, the Orphan God. Kahira the Orphan God is a one hybrid Selesnia hybrid Selesnia for a 3-2 legendary cat beast with companion each creature card in your starting deck is a cat elemental nightmare dinosaur or beast card he also has vigilance each other creature you control that's a cat elemental nightmare dinosaur or beast gets a plus one plus one and has vigilance now my not my biggest thing but I mean the first thing that comes to mind when I when I see this card is Gishath tribal dinosaurs but you can only have dinosaurs now in a Gishath death deck you want to run the uh, the human shamans uh, like Kinjani's Kola uh, I believe it's called and it reduces the cost of your dinosaurs but I mean giving them a plus one plus one and vigilance I mean it's pretty pretty big you could also play this in pretty much uh, like Zukama, Gishath, um, any Selesnia, or any 
dinosaur deck that has Selesnia in the color ident- identity. Um, you could also play this in your Arabo Roar of the World Cat Tribal deck. You could, yes. I was just I was looking at like the first thing that popped into my head was dinosaurs because um, I mean I recently just built uh, a tribal dinosaur deck uh, for all the misses. I think the most important inclusion on this card is Nightmare, and not by important I don't mean like you know of high relevance. I just think it's very interesting that they included Nightmare on a Selesnya card. Because as far as uh, I know, there aren't a whole ton of those in green-white. <clears throat> Dinosaur, Beast, Cats, and Elementals obviously are... Let me just jump into Gatherer real quick, and I can tell you how many uh, horrors there are if you want to keep talking. Uh, nightmares, not horrors. Um, so this card is basically a creature version of Always Watching. For anybody that was playing in Shadows over Innistrad uh, during when that was in Standard... Always watching is an enchantment. One white, white. Creatures, non-token creatures you control uh, get plus one, plus one, and have vigilance. So this is essentially the same thing, but it doesn't specify non-token, but it does specify that it has to be a cat, elemental, nightmare, dinosaur, or beast. Like I said, cat, dinosaur, and beast in Selesny are probably going to be your most prevalent creature types. Elemental is also somewhat prevalent. Nightmare, like I said, I'm pretty sure that Selesnya doesn't have many, if any, of those. I'm not entirely sure. One of the best elementals ever printed is Voice of Resurgence. That was printed in Dragon's Maze. That's a Selesnya elemental, green-white, 2-2. Whenever it dies or an opponent casts a spell during your turn, you get a star-star token and its power and toughness. The creatures, number of creatures you control... That would be an auto-include. Honestly, I think the best way to build this is not to narrow in on any one particular tribe. I think you just smash all of these types together. You play Kahira either as your companion or even as your commander. And you just have a very go-wide, varying uh, creature type strategy. There are a lot of cars that have been printed recently that encourage you to have several different creature types, and I think this card is a great way to really capitalize on those benefits. Now, there is only one card in the history of Magic that has Selesnia and is a horror. That is a Traxa Praetor's voice. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and we, we, we all know a Traxa, you know, it's the four-color commander, everything but red, Flying, Vigilance, Death Touch, Lifelink, and at the beginning of your end step, you proliferate for a 4-4. He's an an- uh, it's an angel horror, but I don't see the relevance of running this in an Atraxa deck. Um, I mean, you can run Atraxa in the deck if you wanted to, or part of the deck. I mean, if you um, run Atraxa as the commander... But it already gives it... I mean, realistically, all you're going to get out of it is a plus one, plus one. And in white, there's better ways to get plus one, plus one counters on a Traxor. I mean, you can play Cathard's, Cathard's Crusade. That's an even better way of getting more than one counter on it. But don't forget, here is the companion. This isn't in your deck. True. True. This is just an extra little buff. So, I mean, if you were to get a track out and then... And then uh, I mean, too bad they're not plus one, plus one counters. It's just a plus one, plus one, because that way you well, can then... You, you can't proliferate them. Right. It, so it, it's it's literally just another anthem that it doesn't... And this 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 has a lot of testament to the power level of Companion. 
It literally has no synergy with attracts at all. It's literally just an anthem that gives vigilance and plus one plus one. Yeah. But I would still one hundred percent play this. Because it's very easy to build a deck with all these creature types, because Atrax is just such a powerful card, and Kahira just emphasizes that power even further. And I mean, it, it, but it kind of gets Atrax away from being that commander that's only played as, you know, um, played as a Super Friends deck. Because, I mean, the, I've seen a couple of Atrax decks, but a lot of them are just you know, attracts the super friends because you can proliferate those counters and it's a lot of proliferating. Or, you know, you play attracts up with um, uh, Simic Ascendancy and get to those, get to that 20 really, really quickly. So, I mean, like, it just, it kind of breaks that that meta mold that Atraxa has around her as being the super friends commander. Right, and I guarantee you that people are going to look at you with much brighter eyes when you break out Atraxa and say... By the way, I have Kahira as my companion. Yeah, I mean, if someone goes <laughs> like, because like, like, but I mean, it's happened to us a couple times when someone's pulled out, you know, a commander and gone. Hang on a second, it's but it's not that command. You know, it's 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 not that Moldorotha deck, or it's not it's not um, uh, it's not that Urza deck. You know, like we we have an Urza deck in our playgroup, and it legitimately isn't that Urza deck. You know, it's very janky and it does what it needs to do, but it doesn't do it the way that everyone else does with the high-powered uh, artifacts. Now, if someone was to pull out an Atraxa deck and be like, hang on, it's not that it's not that Atraxa deck that everyone sees, and then pull out Kahira as their companion, I'll be like, okay, let's see what kind of flavor we can have here. You know, let's see what kind of, you know, spicy brew that they've brought up with this. And I'd be more interested to play against that person with that deck than if they were just to play Super Friends Atraxa that you see everywhere. And I guarantee you that people are going to severely underestimate just how much power this card will accrue over time because mm-hmm. of how unimpressive it looks on the surface. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could be playing... You know, it just says each creature card in your sliding deck. You could play this as a lands deck and play uh, Rampaging Bailoffs because he's a beast and he makes beasts. That is 100% true. So I mean, you could you could play a uh, you could play a lands deck, like a landfall land matters deck, because there is a lot of beasts and and that have landfall triggers. <clears throat> That's one thing that I w- I would like to see. With this with this, okay. So I have bad news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the deck that we've been talking about, Atraxa. I I decided to just look it up because, um, you you had said horror. But Kahira yes. specifies nightmare, not horror. Oh the, shit! The deck that we were just talking about is unfortunately not feasible. <laughs> oh wow, that's my bad. I put horror instead of nightmare into the text box. Uh, worth noting, though. Here I am spreading misinformation. Uh, as a as a quick backup to that strategy, though, you will note that the previous uh, com- uh, companion we talked about, Gigantha, is an elemental is also five colors. So you could essentially carry on the deck with him instead. <laughs> a dork of sorts. Yeah, I guess take everything that we just said about uh, Atraxa and apply it to uh, the, the the last companion card that we just talked about. <clears throat> okay, this time I'm doing a search for... <laughs> yeah, yeah, my bad. This time I'm doing a search for Nightmare. <clears throat> so... Okay, so there is only three. 
Okay. Uh, and they all come from Ikoria or uh, C20. Which we will talk about those cards uh, in the upcoming episode, uh, next episode, uh, when we talk about the the legendary creatures in coming in Ikoria and the C20 commanders. Um, okay, so I don't really. Have <clears throat> but there is a about uh, but Kahira. But there is a little little synergy there with the set. They obviously built it as a limited format uh, and and realized that. If they were going to put night, if they were going to put, you know, have that specifically calls out nightmares on Selesnia, then they better have some cards that are Selesnia nightmares. Um, so I don't really have anything <clears throat> else to say about it. Kahira is probably one of the less impressive cards, but I think it still has its uses. I mean, you could play it in uh, if you wanted to give up a slot. You could play it in your. Um, your Omnath deck, but I would just play a an elemental in there instead instead of giving uh, your elemental a plus one plus one. But Omnath is I'm assuming you're talking about Locus of Rage. Yes, he's he's, he's the team of colors. Oh, you're talking about the elemental one. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they're all elementals, but the newest one. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah the the one from uh, M M20 or M19. Sorry. Um, the problem, though, is that Kahira is Selesnia, color identity, and he is... Man, I am just missing on everything today, aren't I? <laughs> um, what did I think Omnath if was? If you did want to build that elemental deck, though, Horde of Notions is a very <sighs> uh, good five-color elemental So, aside, yeah, I think Kahira and Horde of Notions is probably the, the best bet you're going to get, besides playing it in... You know, a dinosaur tribal deck or a uh, cat elemental deck, but I think we've talked about Kahira enough. So let's uh, let's move on here to the next one, and it is the second last one that we have, and it is the Boros uh, companion. It is Zerda, the Dawn Waker. He is a one hybrid Boros, hybrid Boros for a 3-3 legendary elemental fox companion. Each permanent card in your starting deck has an activated ability. Abilities you ab uh, abilities you activate that aren't mana abilities cost two less to activate. This effect can't reduce the mana in that cost to less than one. It also has an activated ability of one tap. Target creature can't block this turn. So, this is an interesting ability in Boros colors. It's not one that we haven't seen before. We just usually see this effect in things like blue or Simic. We had... I forgot... But I the, think I forgot we need the, this outside of those colors as well. Do you remember the name of the Simic, the Simic card? It was a creature that reduced activated abilities. Not off from the top Guild, of my head. From Guilds of Ravnica? Biomancer or something, I think. Biomancer's Familiar. That's the one. Uh, Biomancer's Familiar and Training Grounds. Biomancer's Familiar Simic Training Grounds is blue. Both do the same thing as Zerda. Reduce activated abilities by two generic mana. Uh, they also have the same text where it can't cost less than one. There's also... Because you can't have activated, activated abilities as zero because that'd be way too strong. But they also have they also have activated abilities on them too. There's also an older <clears throat> card called Hearthstone, not Hearthstone, 
Okay, we're still talking about magic. Heart stone, sorry, that, that's better. Uh, which reduces all activated abilities by one, not just yours. So, until now, Heartstone was, as far as I know, one of the only ways you could get this effect in these colors. <coughs> and now that we have Zerda, which is pretty much an already tutored for version of Heartstone. Um, and it's better, too. It's a pretty unique effect. And you can really abuse some 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 abilities with this. So Eldrazi Displacer suddenly becomes one colorless mana blink a creature comes back tapped yeah i think that's the biggest one that, that is going to really show you the power of, of of this commander is is playing uh like a blink affected deck uh, a very popular combo in blue was i believe the card is power artifact it's a very older much older <clears throat> card with basalt monolith or like Grim Monolith, and um, uh, yeah, Basalt so Monolith and Grim Mo Monolith are very easy uh, infinite combos. Right. So previously that combo was pretty much unique to Blue, and now with Zerda, that is, but <laughs> it is possible in Boros, and not only is it possible in Boros, but it's possible consistently in Boros because again you have your companion. <clears throat> So that's actually quite a frightening interaction. Now, I if you were to look... Be, I would definitely be scared to see this companion show up at my table. I Yeah, I mean, I could see that as well. Now, if we wanted to mash a couple of these together, you could have Zerda with uh, uh, Gigantha and play Golos, because then your Gigantha is basically just paying for your Golos. Yes, exactly. Or, or if you were to play the five, the the, uh, if you were to if you were to play the the five colored Kenrith deck, it would make the Kenrith deck so much better. So I think that's one way that we're going to see this coming out. I mean, is is people playing? I mean, we have a group hug Kenrith deck in our in our play group, and it doesn't. The hugs just get stronger and stronger, really. <laughs> With I mean specifically with that deck because you know he plays the hug cards and then starts playing the squeeze cards and having the ability to then you know that knocks the the red green and white activated ability down to just their pips and then reduces the the blue and the black ones down as well. Um, so I mean, worth <clears throat> noting that. Zerda does say each permanent in your starting deck has an activated ability, which means that you would not be able to play Heartstone in the same deck because it does not have an activated ability. Uh, but it also means that your non-permanents are not restricted in any way. You can do whatever you want with those. <clears throat> and that is an important distinction to make so that you're not trying to cram every single card that has an activated ability into your deck. You know, you still have yeah. utility cards. That being said, though, the only thing I really want to leave off with on this card is uh, be cautious of this one if you see a pop-up at the table. Uh, yeah, because you know, I mean, you know, I mean, not really. I mean, like, if you see a pop-up on the table, I mean, it's gonna have, it's gonna be fun to play against. I mean, that's that's really all we really want is just have fun games of Commander, and not really 
hold the board down in stacks pieces and, and, and all that. So, I mean, like, there's many ways you can build this deck or have this in other decks. And I think that's what they're trying to do with these companions is just really shake up the way that we, we build our commander decks. So, moving on from that one, our last one is the Ozov companion and i'm really excited for this one i reckon this one could be a lot of fun uh it's luros of the dream den it is one or hybrid ozov hybrid ozov three two legendary cat nightmare cat nightmare uh with companion each permanent card in your starting deck has converted mana cost two or less lifelink uh, and during each of your turns, you may cast one permanent spell with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard. So, uh, me and James were actually discussing this card a lot before we started recording here. Uh, we did. It was almost like a pre-show kind of thing. <laughs> we were very much like talking about it. And then I was like, hang on a second, stop. Let's record and get to that point and start talking about it again. Uh, <laughs> Loris is a very unique card and commander in that that restriction is nigh impossible to fulfill while still having a a decently running deck um, having all your permanents be two or less is in our format extremely detrimental to you granted there are some powerful cards that will fall within that mana cost but a lot of them are non-permanents and to you know if you're going to have your deck just full of a bunch of, like, Isamaru Hound of Kondas, then it, I don't think it's going to be amazing or a great experience. And worth noting that Umizawa's Jite is two mana, and there's a lot of tutors in white for artifacts and enchantments. So if your deck can fire off that way with Loris, you'll probably do okay. But I think even in that scenario, it's a little underwhelming. So, what we were discussing before we started recording is that this card is an amazing utility card for already existing reanimating decks. So, I think, the co in Commander at least, the companion text on this card just doesn't exist. Just read this as a 3-mana <coughs> resolve 3-2 with lifelink, and during each of your turns, you can cast a permanent with CMC 2 or less from your graveyard. I mean, I know, yeah, I that is just sure, phenomenal. I know for sure I would put this in my Alesha deck in a heartbeat. Even though I can't get it back with Alesha's ability, it's still an amazing, basically, backup commander. It can get Altar of Dementia for anybody that happens to run that as a sack outlet slash graveyard filler. It's just a really good backup commander for any deck I mean, that if things. If anyone gets rid of your rocks, you can get your rocks back. So you can get your soul ring back. You can get your arcane signet back. You can get any of your. You can get your uh, your locket. Your no, you can't get locket. Sorry, locket's three mana. You can you can but you get, you, uh, you, can, you can get your Ozov signet back. Uh, you can get mindstone back. Mindstone is a two mana artifact that you can pay one and tap and sack it to draw a card. It also taps for mana. That'd be a um, one. That's um. I just had one on... Oh, you can get your eggs back. Eggs is a term in magic to refer to any artifact, any cheap artifact that says tap and sack or just sack. It, sometimes it does something, and then it, draw, it, it cycles itself, so it draws a card. Yeah. Uh, so, but another... Popular one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, an, another one that I was just thinking of is uh, Ica Wellspring. 
to draw a card because it's not really a in black and white there's limited ways of drawing cards and you have an artifact it's two mana when it ends the battlefield it draws a card when it leaves the battlefield it draws a card so um, I mean if you have a way to be able to pull this off the battlefield consistently then you'd, you'd have a, a decent draw engine or just yeah. pulling out value the the old spell bombs work very well with this uh, panic spell bomb Nihil spell bomb is the black one I don't remember the white one uh, Executioner's Capsule, also very good in this deck. Uh, the recently printed Omens from uh, Theros. The new Theros set, also very good with Luris. And I think, just overall, he's... Like like I said, that companion text is just gone in our format. I would love for somebody to prove me wrong, but I think that's going to be the case. And honestly, even as that, he's extremely powerful. I think if we could functionally make the companion text on him work, he would be probably the best companion, if not one of the best companions for Commander. And I believe I don't really have anything else to say about Loris. No, I'm just trying to find the white spell bomb because I realized I said panic spell bomb and that's red. That's the red one. <laughs> there's, there's, there's Aether, Nile, Panic. Pyrite. Well, that's the second red one. Because they had printed a... Yeah. Uh, uh, Dang. I'm just all over the... the, the I've just been like, should I even be in a magic podcast if I can't even tell you the cards that you should be running? <laughs> uh, Necrogen Spellbomb is the second blue one. Or, sorry, black one. Origin Spellbomb, that's one of the white ones. That's the one I was uh, trying to come up with. And Sunbeam Spellbomb. Those are the two white ones. I would probably run all four if I was building Luris as the commander, if I'm being honest. <clears throat> but again, like I said, I don't really have anything else to say about Luris. Just a really good card, high utility, high power, and I think a lot of people are going to underrate Luris until they actually see him on the field doing his thing. Yeah, I think a lot of these companions have been underrated uh, in just the way that people think about the way they build their decks and the way that they kind of, you know, play magic. Because it is it is going to shake up our format as much as it's going to shake up any other format. And I mean, I've been seeing people who just have been saying that companions don't belong in magic at all and that they don't belong in commander. And I don't think that's true uh, because, I mean, they're printed for a reason. And I mean, we've just given you many examples on how to how to run these as either in the ninety nine or as the com as the commander or even as the companion. Um, and I think that all of them is going to all of them have the, have their own spot. Even if we're not, I mean, we're here to play fun commander. I mean, commander is a casual format. You know, we're not here to always play the strongest metas. If you want to play the strongest metas, then that's that's more of a CEDH thing. Um, but I think from moving on, that's uh, and that's going to wrap up this episode of uh, Commander at Arms. Uh, I would, if anybody is listening to this, I'd love to hear your opinions. Uh, like I said, I'd love to be proven wrong about Luris. I'd love to see his companion be fulfilled in a in a decently built deck that enjoys some success. Yeah, I think. I think I'd like to leave off on our personal favorites of the companions. I think that would be cool. So, 
I actually have a little bit of a tie. Um, okay, so I will say, of all of them, I like four of them <laughs> more than the rest. And I think my favorite one is probably Gyruda. And I know that's a real cop-out answer, because he's seeing a, a <laughs> crap ton of standard play right now. But I just think I sold myself on the Moldrotha build that I mentioned earlier. To be honest. <laughs> I think you've sold me on that Moldrotha build, too. I mean, I was going to pick my favorite one. Was it going to be either one, uh, Umori or Garuda? I, I wasn't quite sure. But I think... I just... I mean, I, I, I love them all a lot. Like, I think the... Uh, the Gigantha, the Wellspring build could be really fun. Like running it with uh, Niv Mizzet or running it with, uh, with with Golos would be really fun. Um, but yeah, I think I'm stuck back on that uh, that Umori the Collector and and Garuda Doom of Depths. Honestly, <laughs> it's it's a toss up between those two because I mean, <clears throat> I've been looking for a new uh, a new Saltai deck to play and 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 build. And I mean, I've got my Maldorotha ready to go. So, I mean, I think this is what I'm going to be looking into. So, and yeah, I think... For what, but for what it's worth, my, my other three choices are... Uh, Gigantha... <coughs> the uh, Lutri... Or, sorry, L- uh, Luris, Luris. And... <laughs> the band one? <laughs> and, and, and Yorion. Yeah. And I think that just about covers it. Yeah, I think it really does. Um, I mean, we'll get to, to talking about the legendary commanders that are coming out uh, and the legendary cards that are, that, that are coming out or have come out. Um, and that's pretty much our discussion on the companions. So as we wrap up on this uh, this, this very first episode of uh, Commander at Arms, I want to thank everyone for listening, uh, subscribing and, and rating us, um, following us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, anywhere else we might be able to get some social medias out there. We're looking at doing a Patreon, so watch out for that content that's going to come up. Um, if you have any questions or anything, you can email us. Uh, I will get the email out uh, as of the next episode. Um, and I think that pretty much wraps it up for, for me. Um, anything else you want to quickly say before we leave, Paul? Uh, I just want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to our opinions. This is something that I personally have always dreamed of doing, and I'm glad that, that I have uh, a friend that is like-minded that I can sit down and just hash these things out with. So I appreciate your yeah. time. And um, just uh, I hope you're all still playing during this confusing time with the pandemic going on. <laughs> We'll talk about that next time on how to play more magic during a during a lockdown. All right, so that's that's us from here at Commander Doms. Have a lovely day. Peace.